0: Like sports, I could do something
1: in sports. Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a color man. Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcasting. Well, that's really not fair.
0: Hey, what's up, guys? The Boxing One Crew is back for another episode. Today, we talk about the Raptors and Nets uh, playoff series the Toronto Blue Jays, and we'll look back at the UEFA Champions League quarterfinals and probably talk a little bit about the se- upcoming semifinals this coming week. Uh, before I introduce my colleagues, uh, we would like to thank each and every one of you who subscribed to our podcast and provided us with some valuable feedback. We'd love to keep hearing from you, so please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at and one pod So let's introduce a crew. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, this is Ronald Salgado here.
1: And this is Pramik Bose.
0: So, guys, let's start with Raptors and Nets series. Uh, game one gets going tomorrow, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. How do you guys see this series uh, played out? How do you think it'll play out?
2: 4 p.m. Yeah, 4 p.m. Yeah.
0: Oh, 4 p.m.? Okay, my bad. Well, so just, just off the top, though,
2: just the, the time slots that we got are are the absolute worst. Like I don't know how it could have got any worse than this. I understand that there are bigger markets in the league, but come on! Like they, it's not until game four that we have at least a decent time slot where we're on at six thirty. But like it's four o'clock, one thirty, and one thirty.
0: Like I mean, the defending champions, right? I mean, you're saying no one wants to see them in prime time? Like I just found it's odd.
1: And a New York market team. I know they're not the Knicks, and they may not have that following that the Knicks or the Lakers would have but it's still new york
2: and like and like you said i most importantly we're, we're still the champions like how are we not getting more respect we're we we finished second uh we like we've we've run through this bubble seven and one and they still won't give us respect but you know what i love it i'm going to do whatever i can to watch these games i might have to record some of them watch them a little bit later uh but you know th- this is this goes back for, for years, and we've never gotten respect. So the fact that this is still happening, whatever, I love it. We'll we'll win another championship, uh, and, and we'll still be laughing.
1: Ironically, Nick Nurse was asked about the start times, and he said that in a bubble environment, he prefers early starts. As a fan, I disagree. But he says that when you're in a bubble and you're confined to your hotel room for the most part, Sitting around waiting for a game just in the evening is very difficult to do. You're, you're antsy. You you want to. There's a. There's not a lot you can do to keep your mind occupied or anything like that. You don't have your family around. You're again. You're stuck in that room for the most part or whatever areas they're allowed to visit. But at least by having the game earlier in the day, they can get it out of the way. They don't have to wait as long. So it's. It can take from nurse.
2: Yeah, I can see that. And Jalen Brown recently said something about. You know, some guys just aren't built for sitting around all day and and thinking basketball nonstop. You never get out of that basketball mindset, and I guess I, maybe there is something to it. And I guess Nate, I, Nick Nurse is probably right about that. I know if I was if I was there and I had to wait until seven o'clock, I'd probably be pacing around all day just waiting for that game. Like I, I wouldn't I wouldn't know what to do with myself.
0: Yeah, it may not be a bad thing starting off, right? Just just get going right from the word go rather than watching teams and, you know, just, yeah, I, I could, I can see that argument. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But I mean, we might as well get onto our, our predictions. Um, I don't know if, if any of you guys agree, but I'm thinking this should be a Raptors win. Um, I just don't know. I, I haven't decided how easy this is going to be, or if it's actually going to be a little bit more difficult.
1: Unless we go into this series, the way they went into that Orlando series last year where they lost the first game and, nurse got angry at them for not playing hard enough and then they just came out and took the next four games I, I don't see the Nets winning a game here I mean I'm looking at their depth chart right now Dinwiddie's not in the bubble DeAndre Jordan is hurt uh he didn't actually he didn't come because due to uh he due to injury they don't have, obviously they don't Kyrie Irving didn't come obviously they don't have Kevin Durant so you have someone like Karis Levert, who's been fantastic. I mean, he's come into his own offensively. He's a tenacious defender. You got some good players like a Jared Allen, Joe Harris. But, I mean, the Raptors have five guys like Karis Levert. Guys like can average more than 15 points and play tenacious defense. There's no, there's not a lot here. I mean, they're, they don't have a lot of depth. They're going to play hard. They've played hard in the bubble. They've defended hard. They've gone hard at Lillard. Levert really went hard at dame lillard last week and lillard um gave him props afterwards but unless the only thing i the raptors can only beat themselves i really believe that unless if they don't take the series seriously the nets may win a game may make it a little closer in some other games than it needs to be but anything let anything if it takes longer than five games i would be disappointed
2: yeah, and, and if you look at the Raptors this season and the one game that the Raptors lost in the bubble, they always struggle when a team is able to pressure them defensively, be up in their faces, and uh, and create turnovers. And the, the Raptors have been killing themselves a little bit in some of these games by by turning the ball over a lot. I think they were near the bottom um, in turnovers for for these eight bubble games. But the Nets' best chance is to create turnovers, and they did a good job of it. Throughout the eight seeding games, Uh, they were creating 14 a game, uh, fifth best out of the 22 teams, but they were also near the bottom in defensive rating, uh, 18th out of the 22 teams. So, without playing defense, I don't think they stand a chance. Um, Like you said, Levert uh, might steal a game. I don't think he'll steal two. Uh, He's been playing great. You know, he, he even scored 37 against the Raptors in the third game that they played against them. But just with the with this Raptors defense, I don't see it happening, and he just doesn't have the supporting cast. Joe Harris has been playing great. Uh, Jared Allen is also, you know, I, I think I think they expected maybe a little bit more from him. Uh, he hasn't been playing well enough, and I just think when you look at the teams up and down, man for man, um, there's no way somebody like uh, Timothy Luau Cabro is is even in the same level as some of these guys that the Raptors have. So I'm expecting. Uh, hopefully a sweep. I don't think the Raptors. Well, actually, no, they've never had a sweep. Um, so at least a sweep. But if it's if it's four-one and they get out uh, without any injuries, I think they're happy.
0: Okay, so let's talk a little bit. So this is interesting. So both of you guys think it shouldn't go beyond four five games, right? So let's talk about what are the risks. Like, so if if Nets somehow make an improbable run in this series. Uh, whether they win or not, it's a different story altogether. But let's say they take the series to six or seven games. What do you think that they would need to do to stop uh, this Toronto Raptors team? Can I say that there's nothing that they can do?
2: <laughs> no, but but in all honesty, it really is uh, about creating turnovers, uh, getting easy points off turnovers, and, and not letting the Raptors, um, not letting the Raptors' defense get set as if if you're not making the raptors turn the ball over and you're not pressuring them and getting up in their face and and not and, and getting and, you know getting a hand up on shots and making sure they don't have open shots i, I don't like without doing that the, the nets just don't have a chance
1: the raptors if you had to pick one weakness that they have is that they are prone to offensive slumps or runs in games where they can't score I think that some of that is a byproduct of the fact that if you want to criticize the team for something, they don't have that clear cut sc- star who, in tough times, they can just give him the ball and he can just go off by himself. They are a good offense. I mean, I think that there's some stat that came out this week that they're the first team in 30 years to have five guys average more than 15 points, which is quite impressive. If you have Fred, Norm, Kyle, Pascal, and I think the fifth would be Serge Ibaka. So they're a good offense, a very good offense. They share the ball. They take good shots. But they don't have that elite, elite score, that elite offensive player that can create his own shot, that can no matter what you throw at him. Like last year, they'd have have games where nobody could score and Kawhi just carried them. That's the one... Vault that this team doesn't have. So if they, if the Nets are able to disrupt that offense or force the Raptors into long scoring droughts. So,
0: for example, they kind of struggle with half court at times, right? So, let's say if the threes dry up, does that pose a challenge? Yes. Yeah. Uh Absolutely, but I just don't see it drawing up
2: for an entire series. There are too many guys on this team that can hit shots. So you know, the, and and that's where I think that the Nets might steal a game. Uh, it's when when those threes just aren't dropping. Um, so you know, the Raptors not having a, a go-to guy that can that can you know steal they can win a game for them. I, I don't know that that's going to affect them in this series. I think that's going to be more of an effect have more of an effect on them in. Uh, later series when when you're in you know conference conference semifinals conference finals, uh, but but against this Nets team, I just you know they just don't have enough to to keep up with the Raptors. I don't think.
1: Yep, I uh, I would have to agree. A clear talent gap. The Nets aren't. I mean, they have a co- they have an interim coach, so it's inter Like they don't even have their real like the long term head coach in place. So I know from what I've heard, Vaughn has done a great job. And they played very well in the bubble, so that has to be um, definitely be commended. But I always wonder when the how players react to that interim coach situation. I mean, their pride, they want to win, but are they really locked in or as focused? And will they buy in the way they would to the guy that's going to be there long term? Interesting question. Uh, Jacques Vaughn didn't have a very good relationship with his players when he coached Orlando. Now, from you know, you can learn, get better, and I'm sure he has. But that's an that's an interesting factor is without your without your true your long term head coach your top guys. What's the thinking? What's the mindset like? Is it just we're going to go in and do the best we can, play hard? Or are they really going in and saying, hey, we're going to win this and we don't care what anybody says? What's that attitude going to be?
0: So, so this is how I look at it. Okay, so yeah, you have an interim coach, but I mean, you're in the playoffs, right? I mean, for them, it's like uh, anything they do here is gravy. So they don't have anything to lose. No one's going to blame them if they get knocked out for nothing. I think that sometimes it could probably play out, play out to teams' advantages that you know you have nothing to lose no one's gonna say anything might as well go out there and see if you can create some uh, you know just set, set the cat amongst the pigeons a little bit if if the raptors pull a typical raptors
2: move and lose that first game there's going to be a little bit of panic setting into the fan base and the media is just going to be all over that so you know that that first game, if if Lavert comes in and just scores forty points, carries that team to a win, you'll see a lot of people getting a little bit nervous because of that. You know, you, you have that team who has nothing to lose; they just give Lavert, you know, thirty shots and and you know take us carry us to victory.
1: Yeah, I have a different take, uh, though. You know, we have nothing to lose, so we're just going to go out there. But I truly wonder if. If a player really believes they have a chance to win, I wonder if they'll have that extra level of focus and that and pay it that extra like that attention to detail that you pay when you're really really focused because you have the opportunity to do something special. Like, yeah, they can go out there, they play hard, they won't be under pressure, they'll be free, but will they be locked in and focused? That's my question because in their mind is. Is it worth that we'll go out there and just go really hard and make life difficult? But is it sometimes human nature being what it is? Like, is it really worth putting in that extra effort now? Yes, they're professional; they have to do it. But doing it is a different thing.
2: And and there's one more factor um, that I've heard thrown out there. It's that um, these guys have been in the bubble away from the families for so long that you know a team that most people are writing off, anyways, they might just say, guys. Let's just pack our bags and go home. Let's go home and see our families.
0: Yep. But really, guys, I mean, then why even make the effort to make it to the playoffs? Like, you know, why, why even play the way they did in the bubble? Like, they
1: were already in. They, I know. But
0: I mean, they still played well.
1: They did, and now, in fairness, they they beat like they, they beat Milwaukee, for example, when Milwaukee didn't play their starters the second half. So, you have a point. I mean, they did play hard, but.
0: Like they were what, like five and three, five and three, yeah. And
1: yeah, they 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 beat a couple of good teams that weren't playing regulars. So let's keep that in mind. That yeah, they beat no, like a team like the Bucks, but Giannis didn't play the whole second half. However, they, I mean, you do bring up a point that why even show up and play hard? Well, it's different, right? Or were they playing hard? Or Sometimes you know how media likes to create this narrative when an underdog team comes in and plays well. Oh, they're just playing so hard and together. Well, or was it that their opponents just weren't playing good?
0: I think it's always a bit of both, right? I mean, and yeah, I mean, of course we're not expecting them to, you know, beat Raptors and go past the first round. But I just find it hard to believe for professional athletes, you're just going to mail it in in playoffs.
1: I don't think they mail it in, but will that extra level of focus be there?
0: Yeah, it's it's
2: finding that extra gear, and and we like we've all gone through it. Um, you know, we're we're professionals as well, but there are days where you go to work, and to our employers, you know, we don't we don't do this often. But there are days where you just you just don't have it, and sometimes you just you you mail it in, and you know, it happens with professional athletes as well. And I think in this situation, personally, if I were there, I I don't want to say that I'm not going to try my best, but you know. If you feed in, if you start to believe the the media and that you don't really have a chance, you know, maybe maybe you just say, yeah, you know what, we, we don't really have a chance. Let's, uh, let's pack our bags and get ready to go home. I'm not saying it's
0: going to happen, uh, but it could. So before we move on from this topic, what do you guys want to see from Raptors in this series? So clearly, if they're such overwhelming favorites... Not only do you want to dispatch them as efficiently as possible, but you also want to probably tinker a little bit to just prepare for potentially, you know, the conference semis and uh, the conference finals as well. What do you want to see from Raptors? Like what are the expectations from someone like Siakam now that he's probably, uh, you know, has to take that extra responsibility, which he didn't have to like last year with Kouahi being on the team?
1: I would say clean up. They've had, to Ron's point earlier, they've had some issues offensively in the bubble. They've had some, they've had a lot of turnovers. They've gone through scoring slumps or games where they just didn't score at a high percentage. Siakam has been very up and down. So in this series, what I'd like to see is cleaning up, like cleaning up some of the offensive deficiencies they've shown, not turning the ball over. Having some games where they really score at a high percentage. Having a maybe a couple of Siakam 30 plus point games would be nice as well, just to get rid of that narrative that, oh, he's not, he can't be the guy or he, he's not a max player or anything like that. I think he is. So I'd like to see them get rid of that narrative and just go with it and just beat them and do it in a very clean, crust, uh In clean crisp manner
2: so to speak yeah and and for me it's it really comes down to to three things so it's it's definitely uh siakam getting him going he he like a lot of people have been on him uh saying that he hasn't been playing great um so i i I, I do agree um but i also see the fact that you know they're, they're coming off a long layoff uh, he needs some time to get going, and this would be a definitely a good time. This would probably be a good series because you're going to need him in the next round and the, the rounds after that. So that's the first thing. The second thing is the bench has to get going, and we need we need everybody firing all, on all cylinders at the same time. Uh, so if you can get the bench going, get something from Norm. Uh, you know, f- find some find some shooters. You know, if it has to be. Uh, I don't know. Whoever it is, you just need somebody to come in off the bench and start hitting some shots. And then the final thing is, and I think this is most important, it's it's getting out of there quickly and getting out of there healthy. Um, you don't want anybody getting banged up. You don't want any important players to have to miss some time in the next series or even you know carry a little knock into the next series uh, where, where it might slow us down.
1: Good thing for Norm, he did have a uh, the last week, he started to have a very good run. I'm just taking a look at some of his numbers here. He, 14 points against Orlando, 50% shooting. 16 points against Memphis, 50% shooting again. 21 points against Milwaukee, albeit not uh, without Giannis, but everybody else, 53.8% uh, shooting. Uh, 17 points against Philly, 50% shooting. And 15 points against again for 66.7% shooting. Again, I don't want to make too much of these games because they weren't ne- playing teams at their the raw the Raptors weren't playing teams for fourth strength and neither were they i mean neither was the other team but uh, the fact that he got a got a good rhythm going in those games is a good thing sometimes just having a getting into a rhythm even if you're not fully being guarded the way you normally would it just gets you that extra level of confidence going into a series that okay I've seen ball go down I scored. Yes, admittedly, I wasn't necessarily going against the team's top defensive scheme, or wasn't being guarded as I normally would. However, I got some open shots, and they went in. Whereas a week ago, I had a lot of open shots, and they weren't going in.
2: Yeah, and for me, just just to kind of finish it off and and recap and uh, you know put a nice bow on everything, it's it's that it's that Boston game that really stands out in my mind, uh, where we couldn't hit shots, Boston was able to get up on us defensively, uh, bother us a little bit. Um, and, and I just, I just want to make sure that we can iron everything out in this series to prepare for, you know, the eventual game against Boston, uh, who I think we're going to end up playing. Um, because that game really stands out and I know they really pounded us. Um, and uh, you know, there are things that we need to clean up now, uh, before we can be able to beat them.
0: So lastly, what are your predictions? So Kramit, I know you mentioned that you don't see um, Nets winning a game in this series. So are you going with 4-0?
1: I will go with the Raptors sweep. I Rarely do I predict, very rarely do I predict sweeps, even in series where there is a big talent gap. um, Because it's just very difficult. Uh, I mean, a good team can just wake up on the wrong side of the bed, have a couple of guys under the weather with the cold, and you lose a game, it happens. But I, in this case, assuming both teams are playing at full at their full capacity, playing at their hardest, playing at their most focused, I think the Raptors are a clear cut favorite. I mean, I'm looking at Joe Harris, is their second-best scorer. I mean, he's putting up Norm Powell-type like type numbers, but Norm comes off the bench, and Joe Harris is starting with this lineup. So uh, I think... Uh, for me, I'd like to see a sweep and just get that monkey off our back of never having swept an opponent before. We've been swept many times. I'd like to sweep somebody.
0: Ron?
2: I would love to sweep somebody, but I don't think it's going to be this series. I say game four, Karis LeVert comes out, has himself a game, steals a game for them, will still win, but it's going to be 4-1. And the, the game that the Nets win, I think, will be a, a somewhat um, – you know, less important game because it'll just be one of those where okay, we we, we fell asleep a little bit, um, we gave them one, but you know we we end the series afterwards.
0: So I'm also going to go with four one. I don't think LeVert's going to steal a game for them. I think Raptors are going to play one game against themselves. Sounds like the Raptors.
1: Not these Raptors. Not these it's true. Raptors.
2: Except except against Orlando last year,
1: one game, but they they after that. I mean I want to say smooth sailing. They the game one curse it kind of ended next last year. Not I mean they won game one of round two and they won game one of the finals. So I think a lot of just by winning a championship, a lot of those playoff narratives, those game one the game one curse, the can't get it done, find ways to lose. I think a lot of those narratives are just gone now. Even without Kawhi, but I think just winning that championship's gotten a lot of monkeys off the organization's back, and now it's just a matter of paying back favors. Like they've lost to the Nets twice in their history in the playoffs. Time to get those wins back, just like they've done with or, against Orlando and Washington. I would like to see them and Philly. If you go back to two thousand one, they took care of the Sixers last year in. A very similar fashion, by this time actually by hitting the buzzer-beater shot, and I would I want to see the Lakers come out of the West just so they could take on LeBron in a playoff series and settle that score as well.
0: Awesome. So moving on, the mighty Toronto Blue Jays—they lost a modified doubleheader today to Tampa Bay Rays. The first one, picking off from yesterday, they lost three-two, and then um, the second one they lost in the extra innings in eight innings actually. Uh, as the second one was only a seven-inning game. They lost 7-5, a blown save, and then um, a bit of an adventure in right field uh, by Teosca Hernandez.
1: I'll let you guys go first. I'll save I'll save my words.
0: No, I think your rant is very important to the success of our podcast. <laughs> yeah, we need it. <laughs>
1: um, your outfield is not good, and... Teoscar is just emblematic of the problems that this organization has in in identifying younger like younger players that could that have that have the potential to grow. They haven't developed any of the, like they brought in Teoscar, they brought in Brandon Drury, who infield and outfield. They brought in Derek Fisher, Gritchik. I mean, he's off to an okay start, but two year two full years prior, I mean nothing so or very little I'll say I won't say nothing very little so I, I just have to wonder like what why do they just keep bringing in these same kinds of outfielders mediocre outfielders who yeah they can hit 20 home runs and but they cannot get on base the defense is uh, gritch is fine the other the rest are questionable what are they seeing I mean I mean I and hitting 20 home runs in this day and age with the uh, with the funky baseball that they introduced back in 2015, 2016 and this whole launch angle fad, 20 home runs is not the benchmark that it once was where that met where a player hit 20 home runs and it, it was like some sort of a David, it's a monumental achievement. No, now it's almost it's standard. You're having mediocre players with on base percentages in the two eighties, two nineties, hitting 20 home runs. When you play in AL East ballparks, those are small ballparks. You can hit 20 accidentally. Just occasionally pitchers will throw bad pitches and you'll hit them out. So this is just emblematic of their problem. I'm very, very bullish of of their pitching. I really believe that the pitching has been fantastic this year. A lot of their starters that they've turned into relievers, like Anthony Kay and Ryan Barucki, have done they've done quite well coming out of the pen. Jordan Romano has been a revolution. They've developed that slider over the offseason, and he was a quadruple A guy, a 26-, 27-year-old rookie last year, or 26-year-old rookie last year, quad A guy. Now he's turning into a dominant reliever. And it's you can see that the Cleveland guys, the Cleveland in recent years has turned into a factory of turning – Non superstar prospect pitchers into really good pitchers: Clevenger and Bieber and Kluber and Carrasco was a late bloomer. They've and they they haven't just become good like serviceable pitchers; they've become dominant top line all star level pitchers. And I really am bullish on the Jays' pitching pitching moving forward, but I do question their ability to identify offensive talent and develop it. Yeah, have Bichette, but they never wanted to draft Bobachet. It was Brian Parker, Anthopolis's
0: But but to be honest, they did develop him, right? So, yeah, I mean, they did draft him, but they did develop him. And they, they have developed like their own guys. I mean, if you look at it, Kevin Biggio, he was considered a more of a non-prospect to begin with. So the fact that he's made it to the majors, he's a pretty decent part, important part of the lineup, even though he's a tr- three, uh, true outcome guy... But there are a dime a dozen in the league, so at least like they've done some development. I think my challenge with them is similar to what you said about the outfield guys that they've been going after. And I think Andrew Scobin said in uh, wrote in one of his articles, I think, um, where he said that it seems like that's Ross Atkins' type. So you have a guy who can play corner outfield, has a little bit of a pop, low on base, who can play center field in a pinch. And that's pretty much every outfielder that they've uh, basically uh, gone after in trade market. So Hernandez and uh, Billy McKinney is of the world, or even Randall Gritchick. I mean, although he's more of a center fielder than a corner outfielder, but uh, the offensive profile remains the same. And I, I agree with you with the whole launch angle revolution, right? I mean, like, even if you look at five years ago, 62 players in Major League Baseball hit 20 home runs. Last year, 120.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So like like twice as many people over five years now hitting 20 home runs. So yeah, absolutely. That's no longer a benchmark of power. It's uh, just an indication of what uh, the league offensively looks like today. You know, people are trading strikeouts um, for 20-25 um, home runs from pretty much every spot in the lineup. So yeah, that's not uh, a big deal. But I mean, to his credit, Hernandez offensively has had a really good start this year, right? Uh, whatever few games they won, he's been an important part of that offense. So uh, do you give him a pass for this one game? No. Uh, but uh, overall, I think he's been good. I mean, he, his OPS is over 1,000 this season so far. And we can't do sample sizes this because the whole season is a small sample size.
1: Small sample size, but yes. And he's hit a lot of home runs, so I'm not going to take away from that i'm looking not just this year but like te oscar hernandez's collect like overall blue jay's career to date i mean he still has a 309 on base percentage like a seven this is a good jp aaron cb a month a lot of home runs and can't get on base
2: i think it's actually got up to 316
1: okay this was as coming into today <laughs> yeah. So
2: I, I think I think my my big concern with what I've seen is, is just it's it's that filling the gaps, like you guys said, like they haven't been able to find those guys. Sure, you've you've developed some talent, but it's filling the gaps and being able to find decent bats. Uh when I when I look up and down the lineup and I look at the averages in there and I look at the on-base percentages, like it's not good. And and right now the Jays as a team are in the bottom third, hitting 236. Of the league and their on base percentage is seventh worst. It's it's 701. And actually, these numbers were, I believe, as of a couple of days ago, so that might have slightly changed, but those numbers are awful. And it and it's tough to watch offensively. Like at one point, they had 14 solo home runs in a row before Beau Bichette finally hit a three-run home run against Miami. That like that's those numbers aren't good. You need people on base in order to be able to win. Um, and and the other thing is I, I don't know if you guys heard, but uh Beau Bichette uh, is actually on the 10-day uh, injury list. And that means he's going to miss 11 games. So that's, like, how many games are left?
0: Um, I think w- they've played, like, 20 so far. So they have two-thirds of the season left.
2: But that, that's a huge loss. To, for him to be out 11 games, like, that's massive.
0: So, yeah, I mean, offense has been a concern. Um, but I still feel like the team has lost a lot of winnable games this season. It's either sometimes the bullpen... Uh, a couple of times it's um, the offense that didn't click. I mean, they're like in the bottom five in, uh, you know, uh, war. Uh, yeah, the offense has been pretty uh, yeah, they're, terrible, but it's been below average for sure. I mean,
1: they do, and this is after this week. I mean, they got to Buffalo this week and they had a few breakout games, but they're 27th in the league and on base percentage at 301. So now let me pre- the, the caveat is that look, they haven't had a home ballpark. They've been on the road for three weeks. No routine. No, they haven't. It's been a just a the see baseball and offense is a game about rhythm and routine, and they have had they haven't had that. So I don't want to just say write, write this just right well, give just crap all over them and not acknowledge the fact that it has not been an easy season in that in that regard they haven't had they had they couldn't play in toronto they were stuck in a hotel in washington for a few days after uh the fiddle after the phillies players tested positive with covid so they've had some challenges but i mean a lot of these issues stem from prior years and even biggio yeah great he's gonna get on base the truth is a three outcome guy but in the AL East, to compete to win, you need impact offensive star players. You need to go up against guys that can go up against the Stantons and the Aaron Judges and the, I was going to say, Mookie Betts, no, Boston trade him, but uh, the Xander bullgars type guys. You need impact bats. And I think outside of boba right now, there's not a lot of impact. Vlad could still be that. I still believe he can, although this full start has been concerning. But they need Yeah, to- but he's
0: still twenty one years old. I mean, let, let's let's yeah. always, you know, remember, never forget that. Like, he's still very, very young. Also in I'm just looking at it. In his last
2: seven games, uh he's hitting two ninety six. Mm-hmm. Uh he's got a couple of home runs. Uh only three RBIs, but that I mean that that's that's kind of out of his control. Uh d I, I don't know what he's hitting with guys in scoring position, but uh, I don't know how many players we've actually had in scoring position lately, uh, but so he's he's improved. Um, and I think when we first discussed this topic, my 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 thought was, um, you know, we were going to be talking about how how much he's been struggling and if there's there's any concern. I think I'm I'm getting a little bit um, more positive about where he's going to end up. But uh, I know Pramit, you're you're not a hundred percent sold on it.
1: I still believe he can do it. I'm not going to write him off. I'm not going to say, oh. We should be deeply concerned, or gravely concerned, that this is not a bad situation. I still believe that if he can get it, like get himself into shape, go through some struggles like he's never struggled before, maybe that's part. That's a part of it as well. And I do question, like, organizationally, is there anything they could do? And I'm—I don't want to just say fire culture, but is there anything maybe they could do better that they haven't done well? Because again, they've had really one impact bat, Bulbasheff so far, come through their whole development system in the past few years. So, or any of guys that have even spent some time in the minors. So it could be just a matter of a combination of different things. He's, as Asim says, he's so young. So, not, you don't want to write him off. You don't want to give up on him at all. And who knows, maybe like had we, had this been a normal season and he got off to that, st- a bad start like this, he could have spent some more time in the minors to fix up some things, which, hey, Mike Trout got sent back down, uh, at one time when he came, first got called up. So he hasn't had that opportunity for development. So I'm sure this COVID, everything hasn't helped, but I'm still very high on him. It just not have come as fast as we would have liked. Especially when you factor in that uh, we've in recent years we've had a lot of young twenty year old stars take the lead by storm, and we were hoping he would do that for us, and he hasn't so far.
2: How much? How much of a difference would having a big bat hitting behind him in the lineup make?
1: Uh, I, I don't know if it would
0: have made a lot of diff- like difference. I mean, sometimes, like, I I truly believe, like, I mean, Blue Jays haven't had too many uh, prospects of his hype, right? And I think sometimes our expectations are a little too high. It is a little concerning that he hits a ball a lot on the ground and he's been less than patient. But, uh, like you said, I mean, he's coming around a little bit. So, you know, you never know. Maybe he he might, uh, you know, he might really be coming around.
1: Yeah, in terms of lineup protection and. Um, you should read Keith Law's book Smart Baseball that debunks the whole notion of protection and having a big bat behind a hitter. It doesn't really do that much
0: do a whole lot right yeah
1: it's been proven that it's very like there ha- there isn't a change if- pitchers aren't really gonna pitch a guy differently based on who's hitting behind him. You get the guy, you pitch with somebody to get them out. Then you're, then the guy, the better hitter behind him will come up with a guy not on base, which will reduce the amount of damage that hitter can possibly do. So i have ne- it, it doesn't make sense to, well, we're not going to give him a, we are going to give him, throw more pitches in the strike zone and give him better pitches to hit. So the guy behind us won't have him on base. Well, if you give him better pitches to hit, he will either, he will higher probability that he will get on base or hit a home run. So yeah, technically he won't be on base, but he would have scored a run for you. So yeah, that, that's that been debunked, I think, in most circles in baseball.
0: Yeah, and one, and one thing to keep in mind. So last year, we, we know he got tired towards the end with his fitness and everything, and he kind of tailed off a little bit, but if you really like one of the metrics is weighted runs created plus, right? And you rate that to hundred is league average. And if you're 110, then you're 10% better than the league average. If you look at top 25 seasons, uh, rookie seasons, right? I mean, uh, I I think I wrote this article sometime uh, last year after, uh, once the season ended, he's still ranked pretty high up there. Like for, uh, you know, if you look at um, uh, the list of top 25 players, um, and just looking at age 20 rookie season, like, you know, Mike Trout put up monster numbers, uh, 10 of those 25 are in uh, the hall of fame. And uh, I think Vlad ranked somewhere around the 20th mark, even in that, like even by, even with a very disappointing season. So you say, you can see that for players that young, it's not very easy, right? It, it It's not an easy game. It, like, it takes a lot of skill and, you know, a lot of adjustments. Um, so, I mean, that's why uh, we, we sometimes need to have a bit of perspective as well. Like, he's a very, very young guy. So what do you guys think of Blue Jays going forward? Like, uh, how, how do you see them? Like, do you think they're going to make a run to the, for the playoffs? I mean, it is an expanded playoff uh, this time around, so... I mean, you don't really have to be a stellar team to uh, make it. You
1: don't have your best hitter for 10, for one-sixth of your season, and they haven't had much offensive production outside of him. You don't have Ken Giles, who, I mean, you could talk about the value of a closer, but really it just extends your bullpen. So if you have him in the ninth and you can get your other uh, top relievers early use them earlier in the game so and you'll have more flexibility in using them so I even with an extended playoff I don't think they will get in this year I mean who knows they could go on a it, but then again with the nature of this season you just go on one win streak uh, you can go on a five game win streak and that might just be enough to, to get you that final the eighth seed that they're going with so if I were to venture a guess, no, but I mean, it's not that they're not that far out of it.
2: Yeah. And, uh, I don't, I don't think so. And just w- with the issues that they're having with their bats and, you know, they're three and a half back right now, of the Orioles. Uh, but even if they did, like, what's the point? <laughs> they, I, I, they're not going to make any real noise. Um, so, you know, it, it might, it might get some excitement, but I, I just don't see a, a point to it, but um, I do want to point out just before we move on, while I still have my chance, the Marlins are sitting atop of the NL East at nine and six. So there's your Marlins update, everybody.
0: <laughs> they're making it they're going to the playoffs. Are you gonna to, to win the World Series this year, Ron? Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. If they make it to the playoffs, Marlins history shows that they win the World Series.
1: <laughs> we shall see, we shall see. Now, Funny the the top eight teams in each uh, league American League National League make the playoffs. The Jays are only two games out of that eighth seed, <laughs> so <laughs> for and round one is a three game weekend series where you know, anything can happen. But yeah, I, I I would say no at this at this point.
0: Yeah, and it's it's too bad because this is probably the worst reason to tank. Because one, you only have sixteen games, so any team can make some noise. And secondly, you you're not going to know a whole lot about prospects probably because not many people like there's not a whole lot of baseball going on. So you might as well just have a low draft pick and just make some noise this season rather than you know tanking to get another high pick next year.
1: Yeah, on on the flip side, it's better if you can't have fans anyways. It might be the best time to tank. Exactly. Um, Gates.
0: All right. So I think uh, let's move on to our last topic of the day, uh, the Champions League. Some incredible results over the weekend, uh, Ron. Uh, Let's start with your favorite. What happened with Barcelona? That was a massacre. Okay. So everyone, full disclosure, uh, we
2: were supposed to record this. It's it's Sunday today. So we were actually supposed to record this, I believe, on Wednesday. And I was going to come on here and say that Barcelona was my pick to win the Champions League. Uh an eight to two score later against Bayern. And I'm really happy that I didn't come on and make that choice, but just so everybody knows that's where I was leaning, but they just uh, they have a, a whole list of problems. Um, the the back line didn't play great. Um, and that the goal that was set up by Alfonso Davies was just it was it was beautiful. Uh, as much as it hurt that it happened, but that like that just sealed the game for them. Uh, but Barcelona's got so many other issues that like uh, I, I, it it hurts it hurts to
0: see it. I mean, I mean, I mean, I always thought that Bayern was probably the best uh, remaining team in the competition. Although my heart was with Barcelona. Uh, however, I, I was shocked. Like I was not expecting that scoreline. Right? I mean. Uh, when was the last time Barcelona gave up five goals? And uh, I mean, this we know is not the same Barcelona that you know we know and uh, love. And um, but still, like that defense was just atrocious or just non-existent. Like, uh, and then to top it off, Coutinho scoring the final two goals—it just just kept getting bad from bad to worse for them.
2: Yeah, it made it even worse. And, you know, Bayern has done this all season. Uh, they've done it in the Bundesliga. They've done it in the Champions League. The I think the funniest part about this all is the the comments that Arturo Vidal made going into this game, saying that Bayern isn't playing against any uh, any Bundesliga competition. They're playing against uh, the greatest club, Barcelona. How he must feel after making that comment and seeing this happen, I, I can't even imagine. But like my, my cousin sent a clip of that. He's he's an Espanol supporter, so not not really uh not really too keen on Barcelona, but he sent that in, in a group that we have and just like it, it it's just ridiculous to say that going in. You know, you talk about uh uh about giving somebody a reason to to really rub it in, that's one of those things and just it's it, it just sounds so stupid after the fact when you're looking at that eight two score line.
0: Yeah, and, and I mean for Bayern, I mean this like Champions League has been key priority for them last few years. I mean, everyone knows they're a very dominant club in Bundesliga. Uh, So, I mean, it's fantastic to see them uh, doing well again. And they pretty much could be more, like have more Champions League titles than Barcelona over the past 10 years if they end up winning, right? I mean, Barcelona has had, what, one maybe in the last 10 years? and uh, Yeah. Right? I'm trying to yeah, I'm
2: trying to remember the timeline, but it's, it's something like that. But you know they, they've they've made it, they've made it deep into the tournament, um, and they've always managed to fizzle out the past three years, especially. Um, yeah, so it, it hasn't been a good run. Um, I'm sure Messi's getting really frustrated. There are a bunch bunch of issues with the board. Um, there's just issues all around in that club.
0: Yeah, and and that's why I thought it was a shame that Ballon d'Or got canceled this year because this could have been Lewandowski's year. I mean, he's been fantastic, right? It was, yeah. Uh, so this like it's been so good this year. I mean, he's always fun to watch, and one of the good things about watching Bayern now is our Canadian boy is going to be playing at you know that stage. And yeah, you're right. That run and that uh, setup for the goal was just amazing. That was so much fun to watch, right? And you know this kid will play in uh, for like in the Canadian colors someday. So that is very very exciting. Well, he already has, and and actually since know, since anyway, we're on the topic, now that he is like like before playing for Bayern, right? I mean, he's he's played already, but now everyone knows Alfonso Davis, right? Like like
2: yeah, and and add to the fact that uh, Jonathan David, who was playing for Gent in Belgium, um, mm. also just signed to League as Lille. For uh, it was a thirty million uh, dollar, sorry, thirty million euro uh, fee that they paid for him. So you have two guys playing at you know, Lil isn't necessarily the same level as Bayern, but you have two guys who are playing in pretty high profile leagues, both Canadian, uh, both in and around twenty years old. Uh, It's a really exciting time for for Canadian soccer.
0: Yeah, and Lil was like what they came in fourth this year. So I mean, they're not like. Uh, I mean, you're not talking about uh, League Two or Bundesliga Two. It's still talking about top-flight soccer, right? So,
2: yeah, exactly. And and he's, I, I I feel that that league is just tailor-made for him, and he's just going to set it on fire. Like he already had uh, a goal in his first appearance. Um, so if people are just, if you haven't seen him play, um, pull him up on YouTube, watch some highlights. He's just, he's exciting.
0: So in other news, uh, another failed attempt for Manchester City, um, uh, again, goes to show, I mean, uh, there's been this knock against Pep that he hasn't really won Champions League um, uh, since he moved on from Barcelona. So, you know, without him any without Lionel Messi in the lineup, he hasn't really been successful in Euro. Uh, I don't know how fair that is. He's led some fantastic teams, Bayern being one of them, and then... Manchester City uh, nowadays Uh, but I thought that was a bit of an interesting um, result as well I I thought Man City would go through but then Leon has been like they've been giant killers right I mean they beat Man City and then before that they knocked out Juventus so and they're up against Bayern so they may have some different ideas like I think it's Bayern's to lose but uh, should be an interesting game
2: yeah, I, I like. I, I have to agree. It, it's definitely Bayern to lose with the way they've been looking. Uh, I'll be interested to see that game to see what happens. I, I'm. You're right. Lyon has been like, uh, giant killers up until this point, but I just Bayern has just been so far and above everybody else that I it like they're gonna they'll be in the final and they're winning that final. It's just by how much.
0: Yep. And this could be an all French or an all German final, so it should be a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: All right. So I think that brings us to the end of our episode. Uh, We hope you enjoyed it. Any last word, guys?
1: Wear your masks and go Raptors.
0: That sounds like a good place to end it. Thank you very much for listening and have yourself a great evening. Are we finished? Done.